Heidi Ho, welcome to Healthcare Marketing Insights for the week of February 8, 2010. This is Chris Bevelo, president of Interval, healthcare marketing firm that puts on a podcast. And with me today are Adam Meyer, design director at Interval. Jackie Rotaco, account coordinator at Interval. You guys know what Heidi Ho is from? Uh, my only... My, when I when I hear Heidi Ho, I think of Mr. Hanky, the Christmas Pooh from South Park. That's oh, no. it. <laughs> actually, I think <laughs> I was actually thinking of Pee Wee Herman, but you're right. I think it actually is Mr. <laughs> Hanky, the Christmas Pooh. Oh, I was thinking Snow White, but that's Hi Ho, Hi Ho. It's off to work. We oh, go. It's close yeah, though. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Nice. I was wrong. <laughs> How are you guys doing this week? Good. Good. Well, tired. Good. Is, is Max sleeping through the night? Probably not yet, huh? No, he's he's you know I'm I can sleep through anything, so I'm sleeping through the night. But poor Glenna is up <laughs> just nonstop. Um, but yeah, the kid needs to eat every couple of hours, if not every hour, it seems. So she is up a lot. But I told her to, to just nudge me or shake me if uh, if I need to take over. So hopefully one of these times she will. Yeah, the heroic mother syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So should we talk some healthcare or some marketing or some healthcare marketing? Let's Fine. do it. All right. Uh, there was something in the news uh, last week that I thought was really interesting. And you hear these stories every once in a while, but there was something in it that just kind of caught my eye and made me twist my head a little bit. Uh, it was a, the title. It was in the Star Tribune, and it was called "Docs Cash Only Billing Bucks the Insurance Morass." And it's the story of Dr. James Ilkama. I think that's how you pronounce it. Uh, who practices in Burnsville, which is where I used to live. It's right next door to me here. Uh, he's a family doctor who got quote unquote so tired of the paperwork he cut loose and started a cash only practice. Uh, so after treating patients for 30 years as part of a, a clinic system, he quit last summer and set up his own business called TimeWise Medical. He does blood draws, urine analysis. He even makes house calls. So it's one of those stories that you hear every once in a while about doctors who get so fed up with the insurance runaround and the insurance paperwork and whatever that they basically say, I'm not going to take insurance anymore. And they treat people on cash only, kind of like it used to be. I don't even know when, back before <laughs> health insurance became pretty prominent, back before the 40s, I guess. So it's it's always kind of a charming deal. So like in this case, it's a, you know, this charming doctor who's, you know, got white hair and he's, um, you know, you, you really kind of root for him. And it makes you wonder what would life be like if we didn't have health insurance companies, <laughs> which I'm sure people who work for health insurance companies wouldn't appreciate that thought the millions of them. Um, so, but here's the thing that caught me and it, it just made me kind of laugh out loud and and they really don't talk about it in the story at all, but I think it goes to a much bigger issue. So I'm going to read to you verbatim this sentence. It kind of, they're talking about how he went, you know, it kept getting worse and worse. And finally, here's where he came to by 2008. He had had enough the final straw came when the clinic linked his pay to the care measures 
so that as much as a third of Ikuma's $150,000 salary would depend on measures such as whether his patients got pap smears or whether he got them to stop smoking. That's it, Ikuma remembers thinking. I want to get back to a one-on-one doctor-patient relationship. And that, to me, says so much about the problems with their health system. Because basically what they're talking about there is what you hear about all the time. Stop paying providers for quantity and pay them for quality. Uh, Having people follow best practices because everybody does their own thing. And until we become more Mm -hmm. efficient and follow the same kind of standards of care, we're not going to get costs or even improved health care under control, the quality of it. And yet here's a doctor who's basically celebrated for bucking that. Uh, And I thought, boy, if everybody did that, I think we'd be in a worse place, not a better one. I mean, do you guys guys see what I'm after there? It's a pretty – it's it's an inspiring story. Like you said, you want to root for the guy. Well, a lot of the story, like right before that statement I read, it said – He's talking about if you undercode, you lose money. If you overcode, you get fined. Uh, and he's talking about how ridiculous it is when you're trying to get reimbursed from health insurers, which is ridiculous. If people really knew what went on uh, and how hard it is to for a doctor or a clinic or a hospital to get paid, and if they make one mistake on like an 80-page form, the claim gets rejected. Right. That's insanity, and that should change. That's not helping anybody. Uh, but it's also not helping anybody when you've got doctors who say, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be incented by what's best for my patients based on, you know, agreed upon measurements. I don't know. It's kind of like when, you know, a couple months ago when some department, we talked about this before, some department, the federal government came out and said, you know, mammograms, Having them at age 40 and having them however often you should really doesn't help as many women as we think, and you can probably wait till 50. And right. people crapped the pants. I mean, they just went ballistic, and the Secretary of Health and Human Services, you know, distanced herself from that. And it's like, if if <laughs> how are we ever going to get to a place where we try to advance medicine if people have a visceral reaction to research and scientific method and what actually works? Right. Mm-hmm. I don't know. All right. We don't have to dig too much into that because that's that's our favorite topic, Jackie's favorite topic, healthcare <laughs> reform. <laughs> bum, bum, bum. Uh-huh. Woo-hoo. Anyway, we'll, we'll post a link to that. And you can read for yourself and see whether we're looking too much into that aspect of the story or not. But Okay, on to topic number two. Uh, Gianna Shaw, we talked about her blog post, uh, Market Share, last week, and we're going to talk about it again this week because I think it's an intriguing question, uh, but also for another reason, too. So she posted a question, uh, the one thing about healthcare marketing. If you could tell the CEO of your hospital or health system one thing about healthcare marketing, what would it be? Do you guys have a quick answer for that? One thing only. One ping only. I don't know. I suppose it no. depends on the CEO and the situation you're in, right? Yes. That's a nice, nice boy. You could be an attorney. Way to, way to deter. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. I well, miss my depends calling. depends what your definition of is, is. <laughs> it is a tough question when you think about it. Yeah. 
I think if I could say one thing, it would be if done well, marketing should improve the bottom line of this organization. Something like that. And then you'd be dismissed. That's a good one. Yeah. Per- permanently. <laughs> you, Can't you just you say get so? with the program? <laughs> yes, you could say that. If you're going to tell them one thing, wake up. Yeah. I quit. Wake up and smell that'd the coffee. I... <laughs> oh, that's the one that's thing. Good. Like I said, it depends. <laughs> it depends. Billboards rule. <laughs> Billboards are bust. All right, well. If you don't have anything now, I think we should think about it. Maybe come back to it next week. And maybe we can ask our listenership to consider that question and either respond to us or respond to Gianna's blog post. Uh, There was one response that I thought was interesting uh, from Nick Dawson, who we actually, or I feel like I know really well through Twitter. I know people who don't use Twitter find that really odd to say I've never met him in person, but I would consider him a friend (laughs) just because we've had lots of conversations through Twitter. And if I were in his town, I would have coffee or beer with him. Uh, But his response was the one thing, quote unquote, marketing is over. And his point, I think, is, look, it's not about communication and advertising. It's about living a certain brand or a certain experience, which of course I'm all for. Mm -hmm. Uh, I certainly wouldn't agree with marketing is over. Uh, And I'll tease Nick about it the next time I talk to him. Is that, you think that's a little harsh? Well, I don't, I don't think it's, if, if what he means is what you just said, then I don't think it's necessarily harsh or inaccurate. I mean, but is it either or that's what I'm getting at. I mean, I don't think what he's saying means marketing (laughs) is over. Well, I think that if if everybody in an organization knew that they were they were marketers, that the experience that they create is more powerful than any message you could put out on a in an ad, um, you know, if they truly lived that and that drove the organization, I I have no doubt in my mind that you could have a wildly successful healthcare organization that did very little, you know, quote unquote well, marketing. So if that if that's what he meant, then I then I I would agree. Jackie, did you have something? No. <laughs> I saw you leaning. <laughs> thought maybe you were no. leaning in for I. You know, no. to me, I think it just goes to everything you talked about, Adam. I agree with, but I wouldn't define marketing in that sense, and that's where I think we're getting stuck here. Is that Nick is right. probably defining marketing differently? Um, I'm pulling up our last right. uh, truth we held self evident where we use a definition of marketing that says marketing is the art and we would put in science, the art and science of finding, keeping and growing profitable customers. Uh, Advertising and all of that is certainly potentially part of that, but it obviously goes way deeper. And what Nick is talking about and what you're talking about, Adam are also part of that as are other things being clear about who you're targeting, what audiences you care most about prioritizing those, not trying to be everything to everybody. Uh, though I do think Adam, to your point, an example of a health organization that has achieved success in the way you're talking is the Mayo Clinic mm-hmm. who for, you know, has one of the best known healthcare brands in the world. And until only the last few years didn't do any advertising at all. So, right. Uh, I think that proves the point that if you're living the best brand, that's going to give you experience, mm-hmm. uh, or I'm sorry, success. But 
to me, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean marketing's dead. It's just it would make your marketing easier. Let's put it that way. Right. It, it, and all of this kind of too. We're gonna we're gonna blog about this in an up uh, either next week or the following week. But it brings to mind. Uh, I was talking to a director at a health system last week, and she said one of their senior executives. Uh, I will keep. I'll keep the names and the organizations anonymous to protect the innocent and short-sighted. Uh, <laughs> one of their senior executives charged with strategy basically said, anybody who markets a hospital is stupid. His point was, if you're marketing, if you're spending time or money on marketing, you're stupid. Uh, and he was drawing it in comparison to business development and acquiring uh, physician practices and building physician referral channels. Uh, and I, and I think when he's thinking marketing, he's back to Adam where you were at, which is consumer advertising and all that. Uh, we'll have a lot to say about that in an upcoming post. But uh, that's where I think it really comes down to what do you mean by marketing? And if you can define mm-hmm. it in a certain way, I don't think it's stupid and I don't think it's over. And But I don't know. I could be wrong. <laughs> the other thing we wanted to bring up was uh, Gianna Shaw who is the senior, her title is senior editor for marketing at Health Leaders Media. Uh, she's actually moving on within the organization, and she's going to move into the world of technology for marketing. So we just wanted to give her a shout out and say, A, congratulations, uh, and B, thanks for being a strong voice for healthcare marketing. I think her posts and the things that she's uh, helped call attention to are pretty close to what we believe in many ways. Mm-hmm. So uh, in some ways it's sad that she's moving on, but she's being replaced uh, in her role with marketing by Marianne. I think it's Aiello, uh, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, and from what I've seen of Marianne and what I've heard from her, I think she's she'll just fit right in uh, with all those messages. So uh, goodbye to Gianna and welcome to Marianne at the same time. Do we want to talk a little bit about uh, Toyota? And their nightmare from a brand perspective. Sure. In a nutshell, they had an issue with gas pedals that stick. So, you know, you push your gas pedal down and it, yeah, that's a problem. Um, (laughs) It's not, you know, I think it's affected like 12 cars or I don't even know. I shouldn't even say that. It could be more than that. Uh, But it's gotten to the point that uh, it's been handled so poorly by Toyota. Uh, They had, they're still, trying to get repair parts to dealerships. Uh, people have been told to go to dealerships. They're overwhelming the dealerships, uh, you know, in mass going in there, and people are freaked out and panicked. Uh, the dealers don't know what to do about it because they don't have what they need to fix it. Uh, this has been going on for a couple of weeks now, and I think it was yesterday uh, or, the, you know, the day before we recorded this podcast that the <laughs> Secretary of Transportation said if you have a Toyota you should take it to the you shouldn't drive it you should take it to the dealer immediately which is not what you should do because it depends on which Toyota you have and so that made things worse and you know it was this oh, big no. panic situation and now today they're talking about how their 2010 Prius uh has brake problems and it's just adding more to it and it's a complete fiasco the the head of Toyota the CEO came out uh, earlier this week, I think, with an apology, with which, from what I understand in the Japanese culture, is like not a good thing. 
if you're forced to like publicly apologize, it's such a what what am I trying to say? Disgraceful. Disgraceful, thank you. I mean it's different than it is here. I think people a lot of times appreciate apologies as honest, but I think in the Japanese culture, uh it's not seen that way. I mean I don't want to speak to that, but that's my if I remember from uh oh gosh, what was the movie in the nineteen eighties? Do you remember that with Michael Keaton and the auto manufacturers? Gung ho? Uh, Was it gung ho? Oh yeah, I saw that. That's older though. And it was Ken Wannabe or whatever the guy was who was um, the foreign exchange student in 16 Candles was like the Japanese auto executive that was put yeah. in charge of the American plant. And he was failing and he was forced to apologize. It was just terrible, terrible thing for him. So I'm, I'm getting my cultural, my Japanese cultural expertise <laughs> nice. from a terrible 1980s. From Long Duck Dong. Which was totally xenophobic, <laughs> if you remember. <laughs> yeah, it was long talk <laughs> from sixteen. There's the title for a podcast. Yeah, I think that's the yeah, title for a podcast. <laughs> so anyway, I mean, just from a brand management standpoint, it's been an utter disaster. Yeah, that's bad. So, Adam, have you been keeping up with it at all? Uh, a little bit. Only what I've seen in the news. You know, my wife and I. One of our vehicles is a Scion, which is a Toyota. Um. And we actually just had we had some problems with that recently. We had some coils burn out. Um, one burnt. I'm not sure exactly what they are, or what they do, but they burn out, and the car doesn't run so well. Um, we brought it in, and they replaced one, and then another. There's like four of them, I believe. Another one burnt out the following week, and we brought it back in again. And that one burnt out while we were at the hospital. Um, and when we were driving home uh, from the hospital after Max was born that first night like the car is like shaking violently on the freeway while we're trying oh. i couldn't i couldn't get it to excel like i was going like 50 miles an hour and i'd push the gas pedal down to try to go a little faster and they just wouldn't go faster so i ended up Dude, slowing down to like 30 fine. miles an hour on the freeway with my newborn and in the back seat and my wife next to me were you freaking out i was freaking out you know i remember when we had our first kid and driving home from the hospital you know they teach you how to use the car seat, and then they basically dump you at the curb with you, you and your baby, and you're like, oh, my God, we have to actually put a baby in the car seat. So that's freaky out. And then driving home, you're just like – I was just like – White knuckle. You know, going yeah. the posted speed limit, totally paranoid. If that was happening, I'm sure I would have blown a gasket. Yeah, plus it was like – it was kind of rain, sleeting out, you know, frozen <sighs> snow coming down, so the roads are all slippery. Yeah. So anyway – um. I brought the car in a second time to get the second coil replaced. I, I didn't know what the problem was at the time. <laughs> um, but, you know, it, that was kind of, it was during the, I mean, not that the fiasco was over, but it was, certainly was kind of in the middle of it all. And that dealership didn't necessarily seem overwhelmed. I mean, I pulled right in, got right into the service garage. There was a couple other cars waiting. Um, they fixed it pretty quickly. I wasn't there long. And I have to give props to that dealership, too. It's the... Oh, I'm not, it's a Luther Toyota. It's right at the intersection of um, uh, 394 and 169 here in the Twin Cities. Um, that's a pretty, I don't think I've ever been to a dealership quite that nice in terms of the uh, waiting area for customers. And there's like a little business room off to the side. They've got free high-speed internet, wire, wireless and wired in the business thing. Um, free cookies and cappuccino. It was just really I don't know. It's a lot more than I've I've experienced, and I've used a number of different dealerships in town. So, 
Um, so so even though there's all this bad stuff going on with them, I think they're kind of a example of you know they're keeping their head on through the whole thing. And, and I don't know, it'll, it'll be. I think the Toyota dealers had to stop selling cars too. Isn't that? I mean, that's what they said I, on the news at one point. I don't know, but you're you we're making we're making the point that this stuff gets out of hand quick and, and rumors overwhelm. We don't even know if that's the case. I think your experience, Adam is actually the majority experience of people going to dealers. But, but you, what you, what you see like in the star tribune is twin cities dealers are get gearing up to meet the crush caused by recall. And it's, you know, it's sensationalist (laughs) in in many ways. If, if they truly had, you know, if their, if their sales truly were suspended, I couldn't even begin to imagine how that would affect their bottom line. I mean, even a couple of days of not being able to sell cars or new cars yeah. at all, that's got to be just devastating for any dealership. But listen, listen to the facts. Sudden, so this is the, the gas pedal. Sudden acceleration in Toyota and Lexus vehicles has been blamed for at least 19 fatalities and 815 crashes since 1999. So 11 years, you know, of track record and 815 crashes that sounds like a lot but i'm guessing that's really not a lot and then they they talked to the uh, state patrol of minnesota who has never investigated serious or fatal crashes involving toyotas with pedal malfunctions in re- or in recent years so there's so much hype and sensationalism it, it just shows you that you got to get out ahead of this and i don't think toyota did that very well right right, right. so Good luck to Toyota, who was always seen as like the top <laughs> quality car, and yeah, not a good thing. Well, we'll see. You know, uh, some of these things can destroy a brand, and sometimes things that seem devastating, you know, people forget about a week later. So we'll have to we'll have to see how this one plays out. That's very that's yeah. very true. I, we'll see. Okay, so the last thing we wanted to do is revisit a segment we haven't done in a while, which is ads we love. There's three of them here. Is, is there one that we want to focus on more than another? Oh, I missed the third one. I haven't watched that one yet. Hold on. Let me bring it up. I couldn't. There is no link to that one. Oh. Okay. So the one we're talking Chris's about mind. is <coughs> oh, Monster.com. Monster. Okay. Ad that shows the boogeyman who's basically being put out of a job, <laughs> which I think is, I think it's really great from a, you know, considering the great recession and people who's, not only are their jobs gone, but in some cases their whole industry is dying. So if you're an auto manufacturer or something like that, I mean, not only is it gonna, you can't find a job, you, you just need to move into a whole different career. And so it shows the boogeyman, this creepy little elf-like thing, starts off like he's sneaking up on this little boy sleeping in bed. And then the little boy's sister is coming up from behind with a baseball bat and just beats the crap out of him. <laughs> and then another one, he's like climbing up the window to, to sneak in and the cops come and shine a spotlight on him. And basically he's realizing his job is no longer, you know, around. So he goes to monster.com to look for CPA jobs. <laughs> and then they show him like in a little, they show him in a little suit in an interview. And then he ends up in a, he ends up in like a cube with a computer and he's all happy. It's, it's pretty good. Yeah. I think that's funny. So we'll have to find a link to that one. Yeah. I've got a, there's a bunch of monster.com commercials on YouTube, but I don't, yeah, I didn't I see don't that one. know if I see that one. It sounds, well, sounds we've got good. the Super Bowl coming up, right? So we'll have many ads. We love oh, or yeah, hate from yeah. that. Oh yeah. That'll Do we be even want to get into the, 
do we even want to get into the controversy of the what ads are able to be shown and what aren't? That's probably too. That political. has been, you know, I haven't been following that closely, but what I have been hearing about that, it's 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 a little absurd. On the Super Bowl. Yeah. yeah. Well, basically, okay. it's been. Oh, I think there's one ad that promotes. It's like a. It's a one's a pro life ad, I believe. Um, and it talks about uh, uh, football players. I can't remember what Chris, do you know what player it was? Yeah. It's Tim Tebow is who is one of the most celebrated college football players right now. And so there's relevance totally from him to the Super Bowl because he'll be in the NFL next year, but it's him and his mom and his, his mom's story is that she was told by doctors when they were in Africa, when she was pregnant with him, that she should give up the pregnancy because they didn't think it would go through you know, without serious complications. And she chose to carry it through. And the result was Tim, who has been very successful, um, also very outspoken um, religiously. So the the controversy is, should you have a message like that on the Super Bowl? And CBS is allowing it. But then, Adam, go ahead and finish what you heard about the other side of it. Well, the other side was that there's a... Um... I don't want to. I'm not sure what's the best way to say it. It's, it's a. It's a. I want to say a pro gay ad, but I don't think that's the right way to say it. It's a. It's one. a gay dating service. <laughs> right. Right. And it's called. It's called Man Crunch. Right. And it's basically. <laughs> really? It's two. It's two dudes sitting on a sofa with a bowl of chips between them, and they're they're just watching the game, getting all worked up and excited. And one's like, you know, one team must have scored, and the dude's like, looks at the other guy's like, you suck, you know, and he's just like total man scene. But then they both reach in for a handful of chips at the same time, and their hands, like, touch each other. We'll just see if we can find this ad online. I saw it. It was pretty good. Yeah. Their hands touch each other, and then they kind of lock eyes. Then all of a sudden, the one guy just dives on the other guy, and they just start making out. It's, 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 it's hilarious. And then next to them, next to them is another guy who kind of looks over with, like, this what in the hell is going on look on his face. So, I mean, it's a kind of ad that, A, I think it's just – it's it's got – it's. It's funny, you know. Aside from the message, it's funny, and even straight dudes who, you know, have some tendency towards homophobia are probably going to laugh out Dude, loud no. when they see it. No, they're not. That's oh, the problem. Yeah. You've got too many uptight people that will that will. That's the reason that CBS says they're not showing it. Yeah, they'll think it's really uncomfortable. They don't want to have to explain it to their kids. Uh, I think I, if you, I, I think if you cut the last scene out, Adam, it would be harder for CBS to make the distinction. Or if the Tim Tebow ad was very graphic in some way. I see. I think the having to explain it to your kids thing is a bunch of hooey. Yeah, I don't but think because you're, you're, you're gonna have dude. you're gonna have parents who are gonna who are gonna feel like they need to explain something to their kids when kids are gonna see something and they're gonna be like, okay, whatever. They're not even gonna think anything of it. It's the parents no. who have the issue. That's not true. There are there I are am a kids. Parent. I can say that now. Yes, but you don't have kids. Let's say my age, who are yeah. so. My youngest daughter is seven, and we haven't. And my oldest daughter's eight. We haven't had a discussion about sexual preference with them. They're too young. So if they see that, and it's the first right. time they've ever seen something like that, which is really possible. Your your kids have never to, seen people kiss on TV. Same sex kissing? No. Do you think they're going to even? But do you do you think that they're going to even establish that connection? That they're even going to think anything of that? Yes, I think they're going to because it's brand new and they've never seen anything like it. And and 
to assume they wouldn't even ask a question. But I think to your point, Adam, there are other ads that also cross the line, like the GoDaddy ads, uh, that are very sexual in nature and make me uncomfortable uh, when my kids are in the room. Because sometimes we're watching with other families, and there's there's preteens, there's teens, and all of a sudden there's basically sexual innuendo. I think there was one where there's somebody in the courtroom, and the woman stands up and takes off her top, and her you know her knockers are spilling out, <laughs> and you're just like, this is so inappropriate. To me, that's as inappropriate as well. I don't know it, but it, but as long as once I have to then like go, okay, kids. This is why she's doing that. And it's just, I don't know. I'm not trying to support CBS. Don't get me wrong. I'm just trying to say there could be a distinction between the two. Right, right. Um, well, the thing on that basis, in my, it, just my opinion, in this day and age, you cannot get away from that kind of stuff. Um, you can, I think you can protect your kids from it as much as you can, but there's no way that they're going to just avoid it entirely until they're like 18 years old. I mean, it's just no, not going to happen. No. And but I there think are it's, it's more times. there are appropriate times, but I think it's more about just you know raising raising kids well and making sure that they are intelligent enough to you know figure out what's right and wrong or questionable when they when they when they see it because they're going to see it but they're going to have questions. But wouldn't you, know, you agree? Wouldn't you agree that there are plenty of people, especially in CBS's demographic? Let's just put them down a little bit. That that believes that homosexuality is wrong, it's a sin. Um, there are plenty of people, and I'm not. I I guess I'm not going to stand on a pedestal and say they're wrong, but I agree with you, Adam. I just think so much of this is CBS is trying to protect their butts. Yeah, oh for sure, for sure. Well, I think the bottom line is that as as a society, we're just way too uptight. <laughs> you know, Let's I save that, that for next time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, Going forever. I think we better. I think, yes. Well, we're over thirty minutes, and I think we could have a lot of fun and controversy over that because we were talking about it before we even started recording. Um, but yeah, I'm with you. We can we can have an after the Super Bowl edition next time. Yeah, Yeah, let's see. Let's keep an eye out for if there are other ads that we feel are offensive, and maybe even the Tim Tebow ad is offensive in some ways. So. Right. Let's keep an eye out with that and and see if we can report. And maybe there's a healthcare ad that's offensive. Yeah. Well, let's just let's let's recap the ads on the next uh, the next podcast. Yeah, okay. That'd be cool. Cool. All right. Well, we better sign off, or we're we're really busting our time here. <laughs> <laughs> so for healthcare marketing insights, this is Chris Bevelo, Adam Meyer, Jackie Retackle. <laughs> what were you doing? There she is. Yeah, Me? she was like smiling. Like, I was like hanging yeah. out. <laughs> All right. We'll talk, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks yeah. for joining us. Bye.